So we're still in the middle of learning about Rav Cook's views on Ahava, on love. And I wanted to take a detour for a moment before we go to the next, the next piece in Rav Cook and address something that we have talked about many times um, and try to flesh out a specific Nakuda that is not a very woke topic. Um, to say to say the least, but we, I want to talk a little bit about Jewish ethnocentrism, the the concept of being the Amanivchar, of being the chosen people, and what is it specifically about the Jewish people that's different than all of humanity? Because if if we look back in the last two or three weeks, Rav Cook keeps writing about loving humanity, loving Klai Yisrael, loving humanity, loving Klai Yisrael, loving humanity, loving Klai Yisrael. He's making that distinction. And I wanted to address the specific nature of what is the difference, the distinction between Knesset Yisrael and the rest of the nations of the world, the rest of the people of the world. Um, it's certainly uh, in, in our society today, which is a very individualistic society where every one of us, thank God, live in what's called a postmodern era, which is which is means to say it's a philosophical term. It means it's means to say that people are empowered to be individuals. We're empowered to, empowered to be and find our own passions in life, our own individual natures, our own character traits, our own way of being. And regardless of how we grow up and whatever culture we grow up, we're, every one of us is encouraged to find the things that are meaningful specifically to us. And that's a very beautiful thing. That's a very, very beautiful thing. And the world is going through that beer now. The world is going through a lot of confusion and a lot of trying to figure out where and what and when and how it means to be an individual. And that's why there are lots of things that look kind of strange about what's going on in the world. But all of it is for the intention of getting us closer to a time of Mashiach when there will be a, a complete alignment between the individual, the, the society that we live in, and the larger sense of humanity and the larger world. In other words, that when Mashiach comes, everything will all be aligned. All of nature, all of nurture, everything will be aligned. Everything now that we're going through now is... Birurim, working out, trying to figure out a way to get closer to that time when Mashiach is coming. So to understand or to, to live a life where human beings are now spending time trying to find their own ways of being, all of that is part of this Birur of trying to figure out who are we. And one of the things that I, that I said last, last week um, this whole push for people to be in therapy, to learn about the little nuances of who they are, really in, in with tremendous minutia, tremendous detail, why the, the people, mental health issues are, are so unbelievably complex these days. It could look like it's Eurydice Adaris, but the truth is it's, I think it's the exact opposite of Eurydice Adaris, or in a way, maybe paradoxical, that's what Eurydice Adaris means that things are kind of moving in what looks like a downward spiral, but headed downwards towards the coming of Mashiach, which is human beings 
are now getting exposed. We are getting exposed to our unconscious minds. We're getting exposed to things like motivation and discipline and, and, and deconstructing what it means to live and function as a human being and reconstructing it in a way that's, that's never, ever been done before. We are much, 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 much more sophisticated human beings than 50 years ago, let alone before that. So there might have been a Eurydice Sedaris in terms of Madrega, but there's a tremendous reconstruction that's going on in terms of learning about the nuances of what it means to be a human being, how to function, all the different modalities of therapy, all the different um, self-help programs and people, the gurus, and all of it is a move towards being a bigger and greater human being. And of course, what comes along with individualism, the, the nisayan of individualism is the uh, ability to become an individual and fly straight into ego and just be completely filled with ego, completely rejecting, even in the name of religion, you know, rejecting all things that are conscience-based, all things that are right, reject all of that simply for the sake of, I need to do it on my own. And this is really what what I, I think that our generation is going through it. Like people call us the, the very, a very entitled generation. Uh, it's, a, it's the door of chutzpah. There's a lot of chutzpah today. It's all a question of beer, of working out, trying to figure out like, what are we? What does it mean to be a human being? So in that, I wanted to discuss one of the elements specifically of what it means to be an individual and what it means specifically for, a Jew, for, for us Jews. To be called the Amanivchar, what does it mean to be the Amanivchar? It is certainly a scary thing to, to stand up in the world today and to proclaim that the Jewish people are more special than anyone else. Nobody, nobody would do that. Um, as a human being, just as a, as a humanity thing, to be sensitive to other people, we don't need to, we don't need to rub that in anyone's faces. That's not the, that's not the purpose. So I wanted to address that head on tonight um, and quote from somewhere other, other but from Rav Cook, from, a, from another place in Rav Cook's writings um, and try to, try to address this head on. And one of the things we've said is, is that certainly the concept of Tikkun Olam, of building the world, the concept uh, that Kalal Yisrael is is given the purpose of building the world, which we said that a few weeks ago in, in, in Rav Cook's wor words, that Kalal Yisrael is tasked with being masakin everything, bringing everything to fruition. All of reality is materialized and actualized through Kalal Yisrael somehow. That that concept is, is understood mostly by, by our svarim as being a mystical thing. So in other words, we're not necessarily tasked to go out and build bridges in Africa. That's not, that's not necessarily what Kalal Yisrael is asked to do. Not to, say that, not to say it's a bad thing to do that, but that's not, that's not necessarily what it means to, be, to do Tikkun Olam. What it means to do Tikkun Olam is that when any Jew, specifically a Jew, does something that's positive in this world, in their own life, specifically Torah it adds it adds new possibilities in the spirit sphere. It adds new possibilities for things to happen in the world. So that concept of like, you know, you better finish eating your food because there are kids in Africa that are starving. It means something somehow. We can, we can appreciate that I could do something here. It can have ripple effects up in Shemayim and that will open new gateways and new possibilities for 
the world to be elevated. That's one concept that we learned. Tonight, we're going to learn a different, a different concept. And I think it's not just about understanding the difference between Jews and non-Jews, but it also might be, hopefully, will give us something in terms of understanding what it means to love Klal Yisrael, what it means to be part of Klal Yisrael, and, and how that figures into the concept of being an individualist and at the same time being part of Klal Yisrael, which is a very tough thing to do. Our religion is you know, 5,000 plus years worth of halachas and traditions and, and all kinds of things. Um, and so it's very easy for us to get lost and buried under the amount of responsibilities we have. So to try to be an individualist sometimes feels like we have to be rebellious. So what's the relationship between the, um, the individual Jew and the societal or the, the nation-based Jew? That's really the question that I wanted to address. So the words here are from uh, Rav Cook's Orot. It's in Chela Gimel. It's part of what's called Orot Yisrael, Ois Gimel. And um, it's part of a longer, much longer essay where Rav Cook is talking about um, the nature of what it means to be Jewish. This chapter that Rav Cook is talking about is called Kesher Hayachid. The relationship between the individual and the nation, the, the, the generality of Kal Yisrael. So I just wanted to read one, it's, it's like a half of a paragraph, just to read these words. We'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll, then we'll discuss. So this is what Rav Kook writes. Rav Kook writes in Aris, in Aris Yisrael, Parak Beis, Ois Kimmel. The relationship between Knesset Yisrael, the nation of Kal Yisrael, and its individual in inhabitants, each one of us, the relationship that the nation of Kal Yisrael has to its individuals is different than the relationship between any other group of people and its individuals. So every nation that exists, there's a relationship between the nation as a whole, whether it's a religion, whether it's a nation, an ethnicity, a race, whatever, whatever group, however you want to determine groups, whatever the relationship between the group and the individual, the individual is, there's a, a unique relationship that Knesset Israel has with, its, with her individuals, okay? There's a distinction between the way Knesset Yisrael interacts with every Jew and the way every other group of people, whatever other group identity might be, the relationship between the group identity and the individual. Okay? Says Rav Kuk, Kala kibbutzim halaumim no snim heim lichideim rak esatzad hachitzoni shalamahos. Every national group, every nation, gives to its individuals some sense of form. You're a part of a group. If you're, if, you're, if you're African, you're part of a group. If you're an American, you're part of a group. The larger group identity gives you some form. You have some way of being connected with that identity, right? That makes sense? But he says, It's only an external 
uh, identity that you receive. That which you're an American, that's an only an external aspect of your identity. And again, Rav Cook, Rav Cook here, I, I, I presume he's not just talking about nationalism in, in any nation, he's talking about any kind of group identity, whether it's race, ethnicity, orientation, v'chule, 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 whatever it might mean. The, the essence of this mahus, in other words, the actual nature of every individual, the human draws, the human of every other nation, every individual draws their neshama, their soul, the source of their soul, comes from not the nation, from the entirety of all of existence. Every, every human being that exists, we're not talking about Kalei Yisrael, all of humanity draws its source from the, from directly from God. It draws its, its source from all of reality. Shalob and Tzaos HaKibbutz. They do not draw their source from the group that they're a part of. In other words, this that I'm an American, it happens to be I'm an American. But the etzim of who I am, the essence of who I am, is not American. The essence of who I am is I'm a human being. I'm a human being. Where do, you want to know where did my neshama come from? Nefesh, ruach, uh, uh, neshama. Where did the, you know, esh, afar, mayim, ruach, where did the, 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 all of the elements of what make me up comes from? It comes from reality. All of reality. That's, that's where I, as a human being, not as a Jew, where all of, huma all of humanity derives their, their identity from, their sense of soul. But it doesn't come from the kibbutz. It doesn't come from the nation. So the, the identity of any individual from any nation does not come from the nation. It comes from directly from God. Why is that? And you'll see in a minute what, why he, what, what he's talking about. The group that's called American, that's called African, that's called Palestinian, that's called whatever, whatever national group it is, or whatever race it is, or whatever ethnicity it is, that group itself as a group does not possess any godliness. The group that's called any, the group that's called American, the group that's called English, the group that's called Spanish, the group that's called, you know, whatever identity group there might be, that group itself, the group identity doesn't come from God. In other words, it's just a collective of individuals that happen to live together in the same place, a collective of individuals that share the same culture, a collective of individuals that create a culture. But the, the culture itself is not godly. The kibbutz, the group identity, has nothing from God. It's not true when it comes to Kal Yisrael. The neshama of the individual of Kal Yisrael the neshama of every individual is drawn down from the beauty of what it means to be Kal Yisrael. 
Nishevas It draws from the source of life that is in the nation, that contains within it a library that can be dispersed to everything that's part of it. The klal, the generality, gives the neshama to the individual. In other words, the distinction that Rukuk is making, the distinction between the nations of the world and, and their individuals, and Klal Yisrael and her individuals, is that the nations of the world, the nationality has no godliness in it. And so the neshama you receive, the life force that you receive, has no collective unconscious, to use a word from Jung. It has no collective godliness. There's no larger element that's called Africanism, Spanishism. When it comes to Klal Yisrael, Rav Kook is saying, the neshama that every individual has draws its source from this larger sense that's called Klal Yisrael. That Hashem created something called Klal Yisrael, and because that, na- that nation called Klal Yisrael derives its neshama from Hashem, and Hashem d- gives Klal Yisrael this specific, indiv- this specific really individualized neshama, every one of our neshamas is then drawn down from there. So the, the nationhood of Klal Yisrael has a distinct divine soul. Every individual derives their soul through that. So where do I come from? I come directly from Hashem. I'm a chelik alakami mal mamish. Except that that chelik alakami mal mamish comes through an through an intermediary that's called Kla Yisrael. So we talk about the the, the notion of Kla Yisrael, Arevim Zelazer, or Zulazu. Every Jew is connected somehow. We're all connected somehow. It's not simply just that we're connected somehow. It's that the source of my soul comes from the same source that your soul came from. And what is that source from? That source is called Klal Yisrael. So what is the relationship between the individual and the national? What is the, the relationship between me and all of us as an us, as a group? The, the relationship is, is that the source of my soul comes from us. The source of what I am comes from an us-ness, a generality. It's not true with the rest of the world. If we want to talk about individualism, so the, the, all the nations of the world can embrace individualism to the extent where you can shed every part of your identity. You don't have to be an American anymore. You can move wherever you want. You can be fluid in whatever capacity of your identity you want. Be fluid, and that's fine. And it's, it's actually a beautiful thing. But with the nation of Klal Yisrael, you can't be fluid in, in that part of your identity. There's no such thing. You can't, you can't extract this that, you're, this, this that you come from Klal Yisrael because my neshama comes from the collective. I'm an individual that was born out of the collective. No other nation of the world can say that. Which means that my relationship with every other Jew is intertwined completely. That's number one. My, uh, my capacity to be part of 
a cloud, right? Everything, right? If we, we could just use that imagery, the, the, the Apple cloud. If my neshama comes directly from the cloud, that means I go back directly to the cloud. I'm connected to the, to the, to the big, you know, the big cloud that's called Klai Yisrael. So that's in terms of us loving each other. But if we take, if we extend it a step further, what Rav Cook I think here is saying is something even more than that. Now he doesn't talk about this here, but to go back to what we've been learning, which is the Midah of Ahava. There's something unique about Kal Yisrael that the, the Umas Ha'ilam don't have. And now this is a very, we're talking about this on a mystical level. We're not necessarily talking about this in, in, in what people see in practical reality, because in practical reality, personalities differ and life differs. And, you know, but we're, we're learning this to give us a sense of what's going on behind the scenes to hopefully tap in and tune into, um, you know, some of, some of these ideas. If every one of us as individuals were born out of the collective, if we are part of the collective, if when Hashem created Adam, he put the neshama of all of Klai Yisrael into Adam. And from that neshama, every one of us was born. And every generation, whatever, Gilgulim and, and changes and shifts, and every one of us is sent into this world, and we live in this world, and we're, and we're engaged in whatever it is we're engaged in, whatever time in history we're, we're, we're there, we all come from the same place. We all come from the same place. But that, what that means, though, is that there's some relationship that Klai Yisrael has to the Midah of Ahava that no other nation could have. Because the relationship between the individual and the collective in Klai Yisrael is unique. It's, it's, it's closer to home. The concept of an other, an other being, me and something other than myself, is specific to the Jewish people. Because the, the individuality that each one of us has comes from the collective. That Hashem created this neshama that is considered a collective neshama. And that's where we all come from. Which means that every one of us has the capacity to transcend our own individualism and, and spread ourselves beyond. Because that's built into our nature. We come from a collective. We come from an other. We come from being a part of something. The other nations of the world don't come from that. What's ingrained in them is to be an individual. Of course, it's not to say that, that the Umas Ha'ilam don't love. There's a lot we can learn from, you know, from the great masters of the, of the nations of the world, for sure. But there's something unique to the individual Jew. And that, that which is unique to the individual Jew is, is that born into and sewn into and engraved in the essence of what I am is I have a relationship to the collective. I can be of service. I can give of myself. I can go beyond myself. I could love something beyond me. That there's something about that that's very Jewish. And that Jewishness of it is that I, I recognize that Hashem put a specific holiness into the collective that's called Klai Yisrael. The other Umas Ha'ilam don't have that. The other nations of the world don't have that. That the, we create something holy when, when, when we get together. This is certainly something that's, that's more Shaykh to men because of the concept of a minion. But even so, when Jews get together, 
we create the, the Shekhinah comes there. Why does the Shekhinah come there when Jews get together? What does it have to do with anything? Because that's this is exactly what we're saying. We come from a collective, and when we when we bring ourselves to any sense of relationship with an other, we re-turn ourselves, we re-birth, so to speak, the collective. I'll I'll leave off with a um with a vart. Um, I love this. This is Mamish, like a beautiful, a beautiful vart. They say this from the Yiddish Kaddish. I'm sure I've said this here before. The Yiddish Kaddish was a Talmud of the Chayzer from Oblin. And he, he said over a story that when he was a child, he was learning. And um, <clears throat> his Rebbe told him that when you see a little, a little dot on a page, which is like the letter Yud, so if it's a standalone Yud, then it means... It, um, I'm sorry, it, uh, Yud Yud, two dots. Yud Yud means Hashem's name. That's one of the ways that they people would write Hashem's name on a page. And, you know, like and we'd write, hey, with a little shmichik there, and a Yud and a Yud with a little shmichik, and you know it's Hashem's name. So he said, when I was a kid, I was reading, and I came to the end of a sentence, and there was a colon, and I read it as Hashem's name, because there was two Yuds right next to each other, two dots right next to each other. So as Machanech, he said, my, my Machanech told me, no, no, that's not Hashem's name. That's to tell you that it's the end of a sentence. So the, the kid said, well, how do I know? So the, the, she so said, my, my Malamed told me a great, a great way to remember this. He said, if there are two Yuds that are right next to each other, that means two Yidin that are right next to each other, that's Hashem's name. But when one Yid puts himself on top of another Yid, that's the end of the sentence. Then it's over. Then it's finished, right? There's love is a is a universal language. It's the first language any one of us speak. Um, we're born, hopefully, situations, of course, that are not like that. But you know, all of us were born, hopefully, in situations where the first thing we experienced was love. We come out of our mother's wombs, and the first thing that happens is an act of love, or actually. The doctor smacks you, but then, then right after that, it's an act of love, an act of love. That act of love is universal. That's something that every every mammal does. So it's very simple to turn around and say love is just you know a nice, beautiful concept that exists in the world, and it is. Except that when it comes to Knesset Yisrael, there's something about our capacity to love that comes from the essence of what we are because we're not simply just individual people. We are individuals that are born out of this concept of Knesset Yisrael, which we're learning, which we're learning now and we understand that the, that the overarching neshama of each and every one of us is part of, it is a collective. The essence of what we are is a collective. Now we live in that tension. We're constantly living in a tension between what I need as an individual and how I feel when I'm out in public, whatever social anxieties we have or whatever insecurities we have about other people and all that stuff is real for sure. Except that we have to somehow cultivate within us, especially because there's so much judgmentalism sometimes, we have to cultivate within us a capacity to go back to that collective and remember that when I see you, I'm not seeing you as your personality, well, of course we want that, but at times when life gets, you know, tough and we get judgmental of each other and critical of each other, we have to go back to remember 
But when I'm looking at you, I'm seeing me. I'm seeing a Jew. And by seeing a Jew, I'm not simply seeing someone that's part of the same group I'm in. I'm seeing a part of me because the collective is me and I'm part of the collective. And that's the reason why Avas Yisrael is considered something that's so unbelievably important. It's not just another Midah. It's, it's ingrained in the essence of what we are and our capacity to love as the next piece we're going to learn and Meretz Hashem, two or three other pieces we'll learn, where if Cook is talking about loving not just ourselves, not just Kala Yisrael, not just the Umas Island, not just the universe, but like to, to like be in a state of loving because love is specifically a Jewish concept in that way. We should be zaycha to, to figure out ways for ourselves to tune into that. And as a collective, we should be zaycha to tune into that and bring Mashiach, which is really going to be the, uh, the return of all the individuals, all of us as individuals, back into that collective in a healthy way, in a meaningful way, without, without needing to lose ourselves. And um, we should be zaycha to good things.